0: Good evening and welcome to the Get Football Mercato show, here every weekday to bring you the latest transfer news from across France, Germany and Italy. I am your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Matthew Santangelo from Get Italian Football News, Andrew Thompson from Get German Football News, and Jeremy Smith from Get French Football News. We start this evening with a move that looks ever so likely to be going through in Italy. Has been touted nearly all summer, really, Matt, but even back before the World Cup. And that's a certain Croatian international linking up with a few more of his teammates at Inter Milan. What can you tell us?
1: Yeah, so it looks as though um, Croatia's standout uh, defender, Sime Versaio, former Sassuolo player, looks like he's coming back to Italy after all. There were plenty of teams interested in him, but it looks as though at this point that... Inter are going to beat everyone to the punch. Um, you know, latest out I'm hearing is an uh, 8 million loan with an obligation to buy at 17 million, which is, I mean, in this market it's, uh, it is a bargain when you really consider uh, the need for this position in the current game. We look at you know, Gio Cancelo, who went to uh, Inter last summer and they had an option for 38 million. Inter decided not to exercise that. He wound up going to Juve for something around 40. So when you can get a guy like, like Versailles, who it has you know, obviously he has international pedigree now to add to his resume he has the experience in Serie A with sassuolo and now all of a sudden you're getting a guy who also has ch- champions league experience and he's pretty young too i mean this is the slam dunk move for inter um in what has been a great summer for them overall um they've rajan angolan quadra uh, uh, uh stefan Vrij on a free so i mean this is this is a slam dunk deal For inter should they be able to pull this off again there's a possibility that maybe atletico plays a little bit more hardball because they typically don't lose in many of their transactions or their sales typically they use usually get max price for most of their guys i think at this point if you look at the price for a guy like him uh it seems like it seems a little low in my opinion i think he's probably worth a little bit more but again if maybe you're taking out some of the premier league teams who would probably cough up a little bit more it, it, it's it's you, you obviously can see why that you know him going back to Italy makes sense and again Inter have that Champions League to offer to players like him and that's also very enticing. So if they're able to pull this off again, it could be a couple of days. Maybe next week we'll have a little bit more of an understanding as to what the figures are, um, possibly a medical and possibly a, a confirmation of the player. But yeah, if they can pull this off, this would be a great move for Inter and something that will help them uh, quite a bit in, in in not only you know Serie A but in uh, in the Champions League.
0: Yeah, because it was really getting that Champions League football that has, has sealed a lot of these deals. And ironically, it was Stefan de Vrij that might have been the man really that handed them to him with his old team at expense. But focusing on the Croatian, obviously, he's been in Italy before. He's had a successful few years at, at Atletico Madrid. Obviously, they may maybe looking at getting a replacement in. But it, like you say, Matt, it seems like a bargain and a player that would, would fit straight into Luciano Spoletti's side.
1: Yeah, I mean twenty-five million, that's I mean, if you're really looking at, you know, what Inter have been able to I get twenty-five million, assuming with the, the figures hold up with the eight million option, seventeen. I mean, excuse me, eight million alone and seventeen million option. If you look at what they've been able to accomplish the past two summers with that defense, they got Milan Skriniar for pretty 23 million from Samp. He's obviously a hot product, and someone who's been getting Premier League interest throughout the entire season. Devraj was obviously getting Premier League interest as well from Chelsea and several others. Now you had Kuala Samoa and Versailles. I mean, that's a revamped defensive back line and you know that's something that is definitely going to be um difficult to break down domestically for sure but also in the champions league the inter are building they're building quite a team to compete and again you add nine go on into the mix they're possibly even looking to get uh Arturo Vidal which would be sensational if they can do that that'd be pretty much the cherry on the top for them they got Lautaro Martinez who is a coveted striker so it's just kind of been a great summer for Inter overall if you're an Inter fan you got to be quite pleased with the uh the activity that Pierre Osilio has been able to um, muster up, because this team looks looks ready to go. They look like they're here for uh, here to stay, and they're they're here to be a a contender in the Champions League.
0: Man, you had the experience in, in goal behind that defense is Samir Danovich. You had the goals of Mauro Icardi, looking like he's staying and maybe signing a new contract. They might be a danger even to Juventus, but we'll wait and see. Um, on to things in league, uh, Jess, and this two clubs really that are grounding to a halt in this transfer window mainly due to the demands of one mega agent. Um, it's uh, unsurprisingly Mino Raiola uh, maybe holding things up a little bit keeping uh, Marseille Nice at ransom at the moment. Um, it seems like it's all to do with one big Italian forward that seems to never get any headlines at all really but um, a strange one that it seems to be his movie is essentially stalling both their summers.
2: The- they're probably the two of the clubs who've, um, who've had certainly Nice with the, with, you know, he's obviously like a, a big, big draw. Um, and Nice, a little bit like a kind of mini Monaco, have been more or less revamping their squad every summer for the last three or four years now. The problem is that a few players have gone out, but so far not many have come in. And um, yeah, it does seem that the Balotelli deal is kind of holding things up for both clubs because um, Nice really could do with the money, Um, Marseille could really do with the striker, and I'm not sure that either of them know what else to do sort of around the transfer market until that deal's done
0: it's an interesting one isn't it because we've just posted a thread on our twitter feed if you do want to check it out but the basics of it are is Mario Balotelli wants to leave Nice he's Marseille's top priority but they've not made a move because Mino wants his payday which is unsurprising it's never like he's ever wanted any money from any club ever in existence but Nice have a big transfer kitty they can't decide whether if Mario Balotelli stays they buy a young forward if if he goes they make a bit of a splash um then same for marseille they don't really want to st- stick on balotelli or somey and then uh, end up not getting him at all so they uh, demanded a new striker from sort of their fan base that they, they need someone to add to the that x factor and they obviously still need to comply with financial fair play um so at the moment everything is sort of Held up, it's a good job that this summer isn't shutting in a couple of weeks' time, like it is in England, just because both these clubs need to do something, especially Marseille, who they need to get someone in to really push for those Champions League places that they really, really need to be aiming for this season.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, Marseille obviously with the, the squad they had last year, they they did, uh, you know, that that a really a really good season um, in Garcia. They've got. An Excellent manager who's going to do a good job with whatever he's got, but you did feel that the one thing holding them back last year was was the lack of a you know a really top striker. So I think Balotelli is very important to them. The um, a deal with um, for for Remy Cabella to go the other way as some kind of make way, which I think would work really well. He obviously just hasn't fitted in at Marseille. Um, I think he and Saint Etienne, where he was on loan last year, had their had their hearts set on each other, but for whatever reason that's not gonna happen. So I think possibly a move for him to Nice could work well for all parties if if that enables the Balotelli bit to take place. But um yeah, at the moment it does feel like it's Riola's sort of um city games and, and ego trips amazingly that like, having a huge effect on two of two of France's biggest clubs not being able to do anything yet at the moment. Mm, he does like his money, doesn't it, Mina Raya? He <laughs> will wait to get paid
0: as long as it will take, at least. anyway. But uh, we wait for that to continue on. Uh, and into the Bundesliga, where a move pretty much seems done and dusted as much as you can really have it done and dusted really, Andrew, because, uh, David Clarsen has arrived in Bremen and, um, has had his medical today. Uh, he's pretty close to being assured. Is he the right player to, for Bremen to start moving forwards again and, and looking towards Europe?
3: I think it'll certainly help. You have to look at it in a positive light and what he can bring to the table. Um, you know, anyone who knows anything about the player, you know, he came through at Ajax since age 11, uh, predominantly an attacking midfield player. Obviously, you know, he has goals in him. Uh, he's creative. So, and goals and creativity are both things that that Werder Bremen do struggle with, um, especially over the past couple of years. Um, but I think people need to look at this deal and understand that it's not... He wouldn't be coming in and replacing Thomas Delaney more than he would be replacing Vlako Unisovic, who's also left. He went over to uh, Red Bull Salzburg. Um, and I think... That, that's how people have to view this. Um, if you look at the squad currently, you know they already have deeper midfielders, you know with the likes of uh, Philip Barkfrieder, you Nathanos know, Petzos, you know Maximilian time players like that in that mold. But they're really lacking a central player who can, can can create from deep, can you know get forward into the final third, really provide a, a secondary or third source of goals past the strikers as a wide player. So. Um, in terms of what Bremen could do in the goal scoring charts, hopefully moving forward, starting with next season under Florian Kohfeldt, that that's going to be what they're looking to, to target. And that's something that they've definitely struggled with. And uh, that's going to have to be a way of, for, for me. You know, I think it's the the main reason why they're struggling with relegation dogfights the last couple of years is they can just get more consistent goal scoring. You know, someone who can really pull the strings it will help them in a
0: really big way. And that's what they hope to get from Klossner, who did have a pretty dire season, really. Part of it's not essentially his fault because he barely played, really. Both managers didn't really seem that favourable on him, but he was great at Ajax. He stayed there for a long while, longer than a lot of the other prospects uh, down in Amsterdam recently. But going on to sort of what he can do, at least anyway, do you feel like this could be the right kind of club for him as well to resurrect his uh, stalling career, would you say? Yeah, I think so. Uh,
3: I don't think Everton was necessarily the wrong club in terms of stature of the club. I just think he shouldn't have gone to Everton considering they had an overloaded midfield in terms of options. You know, he was already competing with, you know, Guilfi Sigurdsson, Ross Barkley, when he was still there before he moved to Chelsea. So for me, when you just look at... In terms of opportunities, you had to question it. You know, um, obviously, the Lord of the Premier League pulls a lot of players in that direction. But sometimes, you know, common sense kind of eludes you in a way. Um, but I do think that you know a lot of players can come from the Eredivisie and, and uh, actually build quite solid careers themselves in the Bundesliga. And I think this is a good way to bounce back. Um, he's not even—he's just now approaching rather his primary playing years of his career. You know, he's not even. 27 yet, so he still has plenty to give, um, and I do think that Cofields the kind of manager that can get the best out of him, and I do think, again, like I said before, he brings a lot to the table that they have been lacking, um, both in midfield and in goal terms, so I think it'll work out for sure.
0: Yeah, and Bremen know they're attacking midfielders with uh, fair hair that um, may be a little bit underrated and creative, having uh, Kevin De Bruyne there for a season a few years ago in the loan market. On to our focus is now and in, in back into Serie A with you, Matt. And there's a couple of moves for Lazio um, today. There's a couple of moves at least in pretty much the deals are done, but they've not been confirmed yet from different outlets. And that's for Joaquin Correa, originally of Sevilla, who obviously had a fantastic season and also Milan Badel, um heading that way on potentially a free transfer as well. What do you think to those two potential deals? Well,
1: Correa, was looking at you, a player that came from uh, Sampdoria a couple of years ago. Um, Sampdoria, again, they've they have been one of the teams that I myself have been focused on for quite some time now. Of course, Lucas Torreira, Skriniar, uh, Dennis Praet, who's still there, but it's also being, you know, looked at quite closely. That guy's, you know, Patrick Sheik is another one. So there's always players at sound. They do a great job of finding talent, you know, spanning outside Italy and around Europe. Um, and then you know, this is one of those cases where they they had a guy like him a, a couple years ago sold him to Sevilla but now it looks like that he's going to be coming back to uh, to Italy with Lazio interested 16 million uh, 16 million euros plus 3 million bonuses which would be a pretty good deal for um, you know Lazio uh, Iglettare, their their sporting director's done a great job he's one of the best in my opinion in Italy and I think he's starting to get the praise he deserves around Europe this would be a move that I think it's a little bit mixed if you ask you know people that excuse me, have followed La Liga, uh, La Liga the past couple of years, that he's a guy that's obviously talented, but similar in case with like Felipe Anderson, who went to West Ham and who was at Lazio, so talented, you know, has the, the flashes, the brilliance that you see, you know, in certain spurts, but sometimes he struggles with consistency. And I think that's, when, you know, maybe, maybe where Lazio see the value here in that if they can get a guy for 16 to 17 million euro, maybe Anzagi can have that same type of effect on him like he had with Luis Alberto. Um, the former Liverpool player, um, for those who aren't are familiar. Um, Luis Alberto was one of a few people in Serie A last year who had double-digit goals and assists. He was spectacular and, in my opinion, was just as important to Lazio nearly qualifying for Champions League as Chiri Mobile was so it just speaks volumes as to you know what type of uh coach Inzaghi is in developing talent but also getting the best out of some of his stars so for Correa, this would be a a pretty good coup in my opinion again they they still have to make this thing final but it looks as though that is he's going to be coming back to uh to Italy. And it's, it's a big step for him. Again, you know, he doesn't have Champions League football to play in, but he's definitely going to have uh, the Europa League. He's going to get the opportunity to, th- to, to shine. And he's still very young to the point where you can't give up, give up on players like this because, you know, if you get the right manager, the right system, and, and especially in Italy, it's a challenging league for sure. He has some experience, but there's a lot of players that come to Italy, they find they find their footing, and then they wind up moving abroad. And i I think that's possibly the case here with Correa, whereas if he gets, you know, the minutes, the proper time and space, you know, in attacking positions to really shine. I think he can have a, a big impact on Lazio next season and what they want to accomplish, which is obviously to compete for top four.
0: Yeah. And on to the other man in this well, in Lazio's thoughts at the moment, Milan Bedell, obviously potentially a free transfer as well. Not just Obviously, what he brings, he was great at Fiorentina, had a couple of minutes in the World Cup as well for Croatia, a decent player. But as well as him being a good addition to Lazio, and it's a bit of a sneaky one, this one, Matt. um, Does this potentially for those other excited parties that are looking at a certain Milinkovic-Savic thinking that maybe there might be an opening for Lazio saying he's maybe a replacement for him?
1: Well, I think with uh, with Padel, she's, you know he's been he's been linked to Milan quite closely the past week, week and a half, and really since he became a, a free agent after his contract expired with Fiorentina. Uh, great, uh, you know, and one of the more um, one of the last few, I guess, traditional regista around in the sense that you know he, he plays that role quite smoothly with efficiency and, and, and effectiveness, and he's a guy that really can man and control a midfield. This would be a great move for Lazio for sure, although. Lucas Leva had a great year last year, under the radar year last year, when he moved from Liverpool to Lazio. Um, again, it's that same type of system where there's players that Simone Inzaghi is, 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 observes and he feels that they can fit. Abkale like Badaj on a free transfer is really a no-brainer. He had interest from Milan. He had interest from Zen at St. Petersburg. But if he's able to stay in Italy, I think it's, it, it bodes well for him. As for Milinkovic-Savic, it's, it's weird because it, it seems as though that... <laughs> all these teams that are possibly interested in him. Um, they don't want to, de- they're not paying 130 140 like Lotito wants. And and I understand why the asking price is what it is. But at the same time, it's these teams are saying, we're not going to go and, and and break the bank for a guy who had really essentially a one, a year and a half, one and a half good years in Italy, uh, 130, 140 million for me is a little bit steep. And I wouldn't be surprised if a team like maybe like Real Madrid, if they get desperate towards the end do decide to splash, but you know, if we're going by, if Badaj is a free agent, uh, excuse me, if he's the replacement option for a possible uh, Milinkovic-Savic, I don't think so because I think they play two different roles in that Milinkovic-Savic is a guy that usually charges forward. He's that physical presence in the air and really a guy that just couldn't, he's kind of that, that Serbian Paul Pogba. We've heard that so many times. I'm not going to say they're a direct comparison because Pogba, a World Cup winner playing for Juve. Um, obviously at Manchester United now, but at the same time, um, I think Badaj is a guy that's going to be more anchoring that midfield, and he's going to allow guys like Milinkovic-Savic to push forward and be a more of an influence in the attacking third, again, should he stay. So it's going to be interesting. There's obviously – we're not done hearing from Milinkovic-Savic on a possible transfer, but I don't think they're – they're they're mutually exclusive in that if he does come in on a free transfer by Doge, it's going to free up them to say, hey, you know, maybe we could sell this player because I think it's quite quite clear that Lazio really know what type of talent they have in milinkovic Savage. and if they do manage to keep him for another year, um, his value can only skyrocket with teams' needs for you know creative influencing uh players like him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was just more, some people might start doing the FIFA maths of saying he's a centre midfielder, he's a centre midfielder, done deal. On to some other news around uh, Italy, one involving a Premier League club looking at um, a player and that's they're looking into Rugani potentially joining them. They're supposedly putting in a big offer for him. Soon enough, Mauricio sorry's obviously seen enough of him in Italy. Uh, What can you tell us, Matt, about Rugani and how he may fit in at Stamford Bridge if he was to go?
1: well, Rugani, this is an interesting one because for a, I mean, he's been a touted player for a while at Juve. Of course, uh, he's been there for several years, really playing more of a uh, more of a you know, super sub role in that he play in some against some of these provincial sides. Maybe get occasional uh, spell in the Champions League for Juve, but overall, it's been throughout this you know his his last four years, three years at the club, give or take. It's been really just been BBC and Banatia involved in getting all the minutes. Um, now that's what's kind of freeing up the possibility that maybe he will decide to you know to go to experience uh, life in England again the link Maurizio Saris at chelsea now who also coached him at empoli and really one of his best years as a, as a as a footballer and that's speaking volumes because he is still he's so young but at age i think 19 or no 20 or 21 you yeah, know he the guy didn't commit a he didn't have a single yellow card to his name and he was really one of the best players in the league at an empoli side that You know, is start was was starting to get the praise and stuff because obviously Sari was attached to them. I think for Rugani, if you're looking at from a Chelsea's perspective, this is a good move for them, and I think something that's you look at the connection between Sari and Rugani, and you can say, you know what, maybe it's a little steep, but this is a guy who's 23, 24. Who's not even close to hit in his prime years? If you if sorry manages to be able to you know, convince the Chelsea board to bring this guy in again, the the fee will be steep. But what what fee isn't steep for a good you know good central defender these days, right? I mean, looking at the prices, it's constantly going up. Virgil van Dijk, you're looking at um, you know. <laughs> Laporte, you're looking at stones. The price is always going up. So if you're sorry and you can get to say, this guy's a slam dunk addition for us long-term. I think there's definitely a move they want to make. Again, 55 million euros is the reported fee. However, Juve are playing a little hardball. They don't want to get rid of these guys because they do realize they do have quite a bit of value. So, uh, same thing with Mattia Caldara, who Milan are after. So it's going to be interesting. I think this is a, a, a story to continue to watch because we know that Juve still want to make some additions elsewhere, specifically in the midfield. Um, and you, you assume that, you know, they would possibly part ways with one of Rugani or Caldara. Um, but again, if Bonucci comes to Juve, what does that say about their trust in Rugani? So again, it's really interesting. It's kind of, again, there's always these moving parts. One domino has to fall for maybe Rugani to go to Chelsea. Maybe they get Bonucci back and they say, you know what, Panucci's in the fold. We're going to try to go for Champions League. We don't have time to wait for a guy like Rugani. Let's cash in now and let's move forward. So it's going to be interesting, but I think, again, Chelsea would be getting a really good young player and someone Maurizio Sarri quite likes because um, of their past experience.
0: And yeah, Juve Maybe you want to be careful about selling too many young defenders, given that Chiellini and Barzagli aren't getting any younger, at least. Anyway, uh, final bit on, on Serie A, and it's, it's involving a Juve player again, Marco Piaccio, who is interesting. A number of English clubs, Leicester, Everton, have all been linked with him today. Um, he's a player looking to get a move, really, Matt, because he's ready for that first-team football, having been on loan last season at Schalke as well. Um, do you think that that sounds like a, a goer there for him to head to England?
1: I absolutely do. I think the more you look at this Juve roster, the more you realize that really just isn't minutes for him to, to, play. I mean, when he first arrived you, he, he, if you guys recall, he, you know, he was linked with Milan and Juve, Juve, he wound up choosing because obviously the opportunity Milan were obviously in a difficult situation. And even though he was coming off the bench, mostly then he was a young player, you know, you want to be able to grow into a winning environment. And I think that's what Juve offered him. But as we started to see, you know, the players come in like Douglas Costa, Bernardeschi, um, even Juan Cuadrado still being a, playing a key role, paired with the fact that Piazza couldn't stay, injure, uh, stay uh, injury-free, now you're starting to see it's more not – it's. I think Juve selling to Leicester City is more not indicative of what they believe in his talent because I think they do know he's very, very, very gifted. But I think it's more that they don't really have – the they, they don't have the flexibility to offer him the minutes to see how gifted he really is because, again, we all know what Juve's ambitions are. When you a got like Ronaldo, you want to bring back Bonucci – it's champions league, it's treble. That's what they're going for. So you really look at Piazza and you think he's, he's just surplus to requirements for Leicester. I think it's a great move. If they can get him on a pretty good price, he's a guy who's still very young, obviously very, very gifted, very talented. You know, he has the experience um, for Croatia as well. So if Leicester can pull this off, I think it's a good piece of business for them. And it's something that can then maybe fetch him a profit down the line. Again, should the the price not be too steep and he does perform for him
0: got big shoes to fill if he does head there um, with Riyad Mahrez being the potential uh, manester off-seat, at least who's headed to uh, Manchester City. But on to league um, matters now and unfortunately, Jess, it's a lot of moves out of the league, really, more than anything, but some very talented players, at least. And one starting off with is Yusuf Sabeli, who looks like he's off to Italy, ironically, and to Napoli, possibly, to play um, sort of a Role that well, Goulam would have played if he if he wasn't injured uh, towards the end of last season, maybe he would have helped there. But uh, a good player for Bordeaux last season, and they'll, they'll be sad to see him go. Uh,
2: yeah, I think they will do. One of the, one of the more consistent Bordeaux players. They they kind of had a, a very up and down season, and he, he was one of the few who sort of um, turned up sort of week in week out throughout throughout the whole campaign. Um, yeah, I, I like Sabri. I think he's a really good professional. He's had you could argue he hasn't had the easiest career so far. Um sort of he's been on PSG's books for, for the longest time, but has never actually played for them, sort of kept being shipped out on loan. He went to Evian and then to Nantes and then Bordeaux. And wherever he's been, he's turned up, he's done a really good professional job, um, he's been able to play either full-back position, both of them well. Um, Last couple of years, I think he's added a lot more to his game in terms of sort of supporting the attack and coming up with quite a few assists. Um, I think even in terms of sort of international football, he's sort of taken knocks and and come back from them. I mean, he was part of the France under-20 team that won the World Cup in 2013. Um, Half that team, maybe not half, but three or four of that team have just won the full-blown world cup um he obviously because of what's been happening in his club career hasn't come close to the full france squad but has opted to play for senegal and has played well enough that he's played as well in played his way into the squad and um so he's still got his sort of world cup appearances came up with an assist against japan as well so um yeah it's a talented fullback and just a, a really good professional as well
0: and I think Bordeaux will be relatively pleased, at least anyway. A figure believed about €20 million Euros is is a nice fee for a right-back, really, especially when he's only really been on, on the books for a year or, or so. Obviously, it was a loan previously to that, but I they think they'll be at least happy with the fee. Uh, another fallback on the way, and we, we kind of expected him to eventually go somewhere, and it looks like uh, Jerome Rousselon will be heading to Wolfsburg. They pre- seem pretty uh, happy that a deal may be done. Uh, and the Montpellier man this season, Jez, has been pretty terrific really and the defensive side really <laughs> seems like their only creative force really but uh, at the same time maybe it's, it seems like the right time for him to make a, a bigger move
2: yeah so you said that um it's all moves out of france at the moment and unfortunately that that often seems to be the, heck the case um i mean on the upside it that That's why I think France produced so many good young players, because they get more chances than they would elsewhere. Um, But a lot of the clubs seem to also have this, um, in France, they call it Bon de sortie, which is, (laughs) I was going to say, get out of jail, free card. That makes it sound a bit worse than it is. But it seems that, you know, a lot of sort of long serving players will come to deals with, with everyone in the background saying, you know, have one more good season for us, and we'll let you go next year. We next summer we won't cause any fuss. And I think Roussillon's one of them that's, that's had that this year. And for, for whatever reason, it seems to have always been German clubs um, connected with him more than any other. But yeah, for 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 a while now, he's been a, a really good player. But I think this season was probably his best yet. And um, you have a look at sort of not his heat map, but his kind of starting position, and it's basically everywhere all along the on, along the left wing. Um, he's essentially a left back, but again, such a good attacking player that um, I think it's probably him more than anything else that that made Montpellier change to a to a back five um, with um, you know th- three strong centre backs, but with him giving the freedom to to really sort of rampage up up the left and. He's he's yeah he's been a key part of their their team both in terms of I think they're possibly with a second best defense in Liga um, and as you said they're not necessarily the most attacking force but a lot of it did come from him and yeah as well as helping the defense he also came up with I think three goals three assists something like that so um, yeah really exciting quick player um, again just very enthusiastic and always getting stuck in and the kind of player who definitely I think become a fan favorite yeah rightfully so because he, he was excellent at
0: Montpellier last season and uh, they may start to worry with him and, and Naudie Mukiele off the books they might not be as strong next season at least offensively at least but another uh, another exit again of uh, finishing off tonight really uh, hopefully one that might not come off otherwise uh, Paul Rich Allen might have a heart attack really because Benjamin <laughs> Borussia has been linked with Borussia Dortmund for, for a good play he, he had a Terrific season, to be fair, uh, really under the radar when at uh, uh, Ren last season. For, uh, coming from Lens, and, and although Dortmund have a lot of midfielders, he had a lot of to offer at the same time, wouldn't he?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you said, poor Rich. Um, Ren lost <laughs> N'Gannou yesterday, and immediately there's, there's rumours of, of, of Bouchal going. He he sort of he served his time at Lens, did very well there, starting quite young. Kind of went up and down um, divisions with them. Um, but um has always been one of their standout players. And then last year was kind of um the test for him, sort of going up to League 1, going up a level. Um, could he handle it? And he's I don't think it's an even even an argument that he was um one, if not the, the best best ren ren player last season. Um again he can play pretty much anywhere in the forward half. Um nominally a sort of attacking central midfielder but can play on the wings can play f- even further up as well um he's you know he's he's their main set piece taker he can score from free kicks he's got a great long shot he's good in the air um he can really do a bit of everything and and i'm again not surprised that he's become a, a sort of hero amongst ren fans and i think i uh, Ren have said that they're not even going to consider any offers under €25 million, Euros, but um, to be honest, even that would be cheap for him unless there's sort of lots of add-ons and sell-on clauses because he really is a, an, an excellent player who I think, you know, there's obviously a hell of a lot of competition in the France squads, but if he carries on on his upward curve, I, I, I really think that he could push his way to the fringes of the of the France team.
0: I mean, it's, yeah, it'd be a genuine shame for us to finally see him have a, a good season in, in France in, in the top division and, and head straight out again. But uh, we've given you a chance to stew on those two, Andrew, really, because obviously we wanted to get the, the French perspective on it first, but, but onto the sort of German perspective for both of those moves. Uh, Wolfsburg... Uh, had a pretty dreadful season by most standards last season, but have always got the clout to sort of bounce themselves back up again. Uh, they need more attacking players, they need more defensive players, and Rousselon sort of ticks both those boxes, and, and a left-back since Ricardo Rodriguez headed to uh, AC Milan, it has been a little bit of a weakness, and, and potentially now bringing him, I might uh, might improve that.
3: Well, I mean, it might, but I don't... I mean, I guess... For me, I don't know, I just don't see it. It's hard for me to, I guess, to it at the moment, but at left back right now, there's Yannick Gerhardt and Gianluca Itzer already at the club. So bringing in a third left back, it's either they feel that um, uh, Russell Young's going to come in and compete with, uh, with Gerhardt while is either going to go out on loan and they're still developed maybe in the 19s, or they feel like neither of them is going to be potentially good enough uh again there's also there's nothing wrong with obviously having depth and obviously uh, it is only 19 years old so um there's no sense in necessarily rushing him and if he's going to be second choice behind gerhard then he's not going to get enough time um to really truly get into that next level of development obviously you know once you're 19 or 20 you need to be playing minutes don't you so um uh, if they are planning on learning him out and then just having russell and, and gerhard compete for left back spot that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing but then you also have the question the long-term options, you know, Gerhard himself is only 24 years old. So, if if there comes to if whether if it's this loan or for the development in the 19s, then you can have three left backs at the club. But then, what's your next step when it comes to that? You know, you don't want to overload in one position in your first team, and then that's gonna cause maybe some selection problems. The other thing that you could say, however, is that maybe one of those options is gonna be shifted to the right-hand side. Sebastian Young and Pavel Hager both injured, so they only have one right back currently in William. So. Perhaps, if, if I don't know, if Fustino can play on the right, or maybe they'll shift into a Gerhardt. Maybe they're potentially, if that's the case, then that would make complete sense. But it is good to see that they're at least trying to address issues. Wolfsburg is one of those clubs that have, they have such potential, but <laughs> they never really realized that potential except for that one season uh, where Kevin DeBoerner was absolutely brilliant for them. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how they move forward in that position and, and how that will affect potentially other parts of the park.
0: Yeah, I'm always surprised by, it, even though Wolfsburg's struggled incredibly last season, how they can still attract so many good players. And also onto to the, the other deal, really, and we've talked about joey he's a bit more of either a centre midfielder or a right midfielder, it doesn't feel like he quite fits into that Dortmund squad with them playing more advanced wingers, he doesn't really Quite work in that role. Uh, maybe he might play as, a, uh, as an attacking midfielder, but does he fit straight in? Where they've just bought Delaney as well. Uh, what do you think to this move? It would be an ex- another expensive one for Dortmund. Is it an expense maybe a little bit too far?
3: Well, I don't know if it's an expense too far. Obviously, there's all that the speculation about where Julian Viega is going to end up. You know, it, obviously there, there seems to be growing credibility and, and the possibility of him going to PSG with Thomas Tuchel. So, um, and a lot of the fans are done with Nuri Shaheen. And if they're looking to move him on as well, then they're actually potentially lacking in true central mental options. Zenis Brennitz came back from a Stuttgart loan, but there's no telling if he's going to actually fit into Lucien Favre's first-team plans. Obviously, they brought in Thomas Delaney and Mahmoud Dahoud still there, and Sebastian What is still there, but that would still leave them maybe a bit short, especially if they're shifting players out. So in those terms, I think it would make sense. But when you look at that team obviously that would be probably the only place he could fit into it because, you know, they're not lacking in attacking options, either as, you know, central attacking midfielders or uh, left or right side attacking players. So um, if that move does go through, for me personally, I think it means that one of Weigel or Sahin are, are leaving the club or potentially both of them. So it be interesting to, to monitor that and see if that's maybe the signal for one of those moves to happen.
0: Yeah, and on, on to other things in the Bundesliga. It, is, it has been a little bit more quiet today, surprisingly. Maybe they they, uh, they got through a lot of it yesterday with Shirley heading for the loan deal and such. And Muto's deal obviously has been confirmed, so we'll, we'll sort of skip that one this evening. So uh, uh, on to uh, one we briefly mentioned last night, at least, Andrew, and that was um, Leon Bailey. Um, we are talking about him potentially. Napoli was in... Uh, not Napoli, sorry. Roma was interested in him. There was things from the sporting directors at the club saying uh, by Leverkusen we're categorically not going to sell him, but at the same time today, the Jamaican has maybe hinted that he does want to leave.
3: I think it depends on if you want to listen to the source. I've not personally seen anything coming out of Germany at the moment that commented on that, but it's come from the Daily Mail saying that he would like to leave this summer. I mean, that was always a possibility. Obviously, Leverkusen are going to want to keep him for this season um, or as long as possible. But he is of that talent level that he's going to attract bigger clubs, and he already has done. You know, there was a lot of interest, and he was heavily scouted at certain points last year. Um, So it wouldn't surprise me if potentially he's looked at the field that are looking at him and maybe said, you know, this is now my chance to actually move on. There are a lot of good young attacking players in Europe, especially currently. So if he doesn't maybe take his chance now moving on to a a club of a bigger profile, those clubs will move elsewhere. So really, just come down to the player. Um, I don't know if Leverkusen will hold out for maybe more money. Uh, you know, currently, the last I checked, his value is roughly between 40 and 45 million euros. So obviously, they want maybe a little bit more than that. Um, but <laughs> I don't know if they'll necessarily reinvest it if he was to move. When you look at the squad right now, uh, you know, like I mentioned yesterday, you know, Kai Havertz is still there, Julian Brent is still there, and I. He did sign a, a contract extension, but they also, the summer brought in Paulino from Vasco da Gama. Uh, Kareem Bellaraby's is still there. Kevin Volan can slot in on, a, on a, a right or left side attacking role. Um, and then there's Sam Shek, who's come through at the 19s, who's just come into the first team as well. So they're not short on players who can play in wider areas or, you know, behind the, the center forward. So. They are equipped to deal with replacing him in house, not necessarily with reinvestment, and that's something that Leverkusen traditionally struggle with. You know, they're they're not really known for shelling out a ton of money and much to their fan chagrin. But it's also worth noting that this summer they also brought in Mitchell Weisser from Hertha Berlin and. You know, obviously he played right back at, at Hearts, but he came through at Bayern Munich as a right-side attacking player. Um, and you can say something about Benjamin Enders as well. He came through at Leverkusen's uh, youth system as a right-side attacking player. Um, and Bailey predominantly plays on the right side. Uh, Julian Brandt usually slots in on the left. So there are plenty of options there if he does move on. It wouldn't surprise me if maybe something did materialize, if those links to him wanting to leave the summer are credible. But it also wouldn't shock me if he stayed one more season and then left next summer. So.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to follow because he's certainly going to be a name in the news for the next two weeks at least while the, the British window stays open. Um, final bit of news tonight, and that's um, a, a, a club and a player that have been linked plenty of times recently, and that's Borussia Mönchengladbach and uh, Reese Oxford of West Ham United. Obviously, went on loan there Um last season came back went back again it, it was a bit of a strange one really but now it looks like Gladbach are looking to try tie down a permanent deal we've heard of max herbal's sort of appreciation of the young generation of english footballers and he wants to make true on that by by purchasing his first one
3: well i think this this will be a move that would probably suit him uh and i think it would be targeted but the fact that Yannick vestigard has left the club he went over to Southampton, and obviously so right now currently if you look at the squad there's a place for him in the first team they really only have two maybe three center backs that are truly first team ready at the moment you, know, you have the german national uh, matthias Ginter and then you have nico alvedi uh, apart from that you know lewis Bayer and florian meyer they're both 20 and 18 respectively and mamadou decor is actually injured um and he's also still quite young you know, he's only 20 years old so uh, oxford is young himself but he would have maybe settled a little bit better at the club you know he he'll understand What's expected of him. Uh, Gladbach do have a history of bringing through young players and trusting those young players if they feel they're good enough. You can think of Mikael Quisance as a, a prime example. You know, the, the French youth is naturally done absolutely brilliantly for them uh, last season, and he's been given some serious minutes despite being young. Dennis Zakaria is another example in midfield. I know Oxford can play midfield, but it's the fact that Zakaria and Christoph Kramer and Tobias Strobel and Quisance do. Get a fair amount of minutes for the team that you'd have to think that this would be them targeting um, another option to 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 fill the void that Vestergaard would have left, uh, and obviously the price point is relatively attractive for a young player who does have some high level potential. Sixteen million really isn't that steep of a you know amount of money to pay for it, so I think it'd be good business if it does go through.
0: But at the same time, sixteen million is a statement of intent to say that Oxford is a player they want for the future and let's hope that that comes to the case at least because we might not get the minutes at West Ham which is a little bit worrying from an English perspective at least but that's all we have for this evening my thanks to Matthew, Andrew and Jez for their company this evening and all of you at home of course as well uh, please do join us again tomorrow for more from the crazy world of the transfer window